the best way to approach this, I would say it would be to, to package people like when delivering to package people some sort of uh, QR code or something to invite them to your website to leave their email for some coupon for just subscribing to your newsletter and then you have their email addresses. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight figure e-commerce sellers. I normally say Amazon sellers, but obviously that's an artificial distinction. Many business owners of uh, businesses that have only sold on Amazon in the past are very busy building out their direct-to-consumer site, not least because Amazon has this cuddly habit of suspending accounts occasionally, which is incredibly scary. And I think most of us who've been out there for a while have either experienced that or at least a listing suspension. So to help us with this journey of using Facebook ads to drive direct-to-consumer sales is Petru Jakob of Audiencer.io. He's the founder of Audiencer, which helps Facebook advertisers, including e-commerce business owners, find cold audiences and increase their sales. So Petru, welcome back to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So we've talked in the previous episode about how to use Facebook ads to launch products on Amazon. And you've got to jump through hoops and go around the corners and try and work around this kind of barrier that Amazon put yep. in the way. For the DTC site, it's a lot more straightforward in terms of attribution, right? Nevertheless, Facebook ads are expensive and conversion rates on DTC sites are you know, famously much, much lower than on a marketplace, particularly Amazon does an amazing job of getting trust with its consumers. So what's the justification for using a potentially very expensive uh, traffic source? Yeah, it's multiple reasons because for once you, you were saying about Amazon suspending accounts and suspending listings. And that's a good way to diversify risk, as in try new, try to find new channels to to get new customers. And then you get to scale, so to speak, because with Amazon, you're basically waiting on people to uh, to actually want to buy those things you're selling. Whereas with uh, with Facebook ads, you can get your ads in front of people right when they're browsing and they're they're wasting time. It's a different channel. It's a different story. It's, it's basically. A, Everything's different with, with Facebook. Okay. So let's say I'm a D2C business owner and I've got my direct-to-consumer site and I've been doing some SEO work and maybe a little bit of Google search ads. I presume that my budget for traffic is going to go shooting up if I use Facebook ads. What's the justification that I have if I go to my you know business partner and say, I want to do this, how do I sell him or her on this concept? Yeah, it's a great opportunity because Facebook has over 2 billion people active on on their platform. So basically you have, especially if you're selling in the West, you have a high chance of actually finding everybody on there. And they also have, basically you're also touching on Instagram or if you're advertising on Facebook because they also own that. 
So I guess certain categories are going to respond better than others, aren't they? Which categories yep. have you found are great for doing Facebook ads? And I guess we will also say, are there any categories that is just probably not going to work very well on Facebook? Obviously, e-commerce is doing great on Facebook because there are like 30-ish million people with, uh, with stores on Shopify. And obviously, uh, if Shopify has this many users, then the e-commerce industry is doing great. And we know the many of the, of the e-commerce owners, store owners drive traffic with Facebook ads. So I would say the number one is e-commerce. Okay. Sorry. It wasn't a very good question. Which e-commerce categories, which product type categories work on Facebook? Cause we're only focused on e-commerce on this podcast. Okay. And like, like are shoes good and industrial boring looking things bad, for example. No, from my experience, the best selling products are uh, those products that have, like if you're selling something everybody uses, you're going to have big success with, uh, with Facebook. Okay. And what if you sell something very niche? Is it less likely to work? Like I'm trying to think some tools for people who build a specific yeah. type of house or something. Well, if you're selling uh, construction stuff, <laughs> yeah, people probably aren't going to uh, to buy from Facebook, but rather go to, I don't know, directly to stores or Amazon. <laughs> what about if you sell something um, that is very useful, but not very sexy? I, I don't know, some kitchen, I'm trying to think of the things you'd have in the kitchen, like rubber gloves or cleaning equipment like a mop definitely go on facebook because everybody has kitchen everybody has to go like on a daily basis in the kitchen so if you're selling uh rubber gloves or whatever uh kitchen tool then your audience is on facebook okay great so it sounds like you've got a fairly simple distinction which is if it's got a huge market it's likely to work on facebook if it's really really yeah. specialist then it probably won't that's, that's very interesting okay yeah. cool uh, you got a story of some guys indian based business i think that has done very well with a direct to consumer site and facebook ads so give us a bit of a taste of how it can work when it goes yeah well. i had a client at some point we uh, we did some uh, some pixel stuff for them but they initially launched on amazon in india and they got so successful with their product that they got contacted by the amazon team and they were invited to the United States, where they eventually got the uh, the second place in their category, which was cosmetics. Sorry, and when I worked with them, they were also using using Shopify and spending a lot of money on Facebook ads and still be successful. So for them, it was two channels of acquisition back then. Great. And so, would you what do you attribute their success with their Facebook ads on Shopify to? I presume that. They got ranked number two in cosmetics in the USA. Yep. Is that right? That That's absolutely yep. massive. So they obviously had a, a very mass market product. How come they made that work then? What were the factors of success? Yeah, I think for them, it was the quality of the product and being big. Like if you're, for example, uh, Coca-Cola and you never went to Facebook ads, but all of a sudden you start running ads, then you have that brand awareness with people. So basically, I, I think what they did is uh, way harder for small uh, small brands because with that many clients they had from Amazon, it, it was easy for them to, to just tap on a new, new acquisition channel. Okay. So... <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of impressive numbers, but I guess harder for us to make it work. So let's okay. say we've got a, a typical member of my mastermind, which would be uh, somebody who's got maybe 90, 95% of their revenue is on Amazon. They've got a direct to consumer site. Let's be agnostic about the platform, Shopify, WooCommerce, whatever. What is the best use of Facebook ads in that kind of mix, would you say, if there is even such a thing as one size fits all answer to that question? The best use of, of Facebook ads would be to, to expand your reach. 
like I said in the beginning, with Amazon, you only get uh, to, to serve people that already have that intent to purchase uh, that product. So basically, uh, Amazon has this huge conversion rate because people uh, come with the credit card <laughs> to, to browse Amazon. But this thing uh, doesn't happen on, on Facebook. So on Facebook, people are browsing, are having fun, are wasting time. You get to interrupt their lives and to show your products. So the, the big disadvantage here is you'll have way lower conversion rate. But the advantage is you'll, uh, you'll reach out the math. Like if you have the budget, you can, uh, you can show your ass to lots of people. Okay, so that brings up the budget question. So how much money do we need to have set aside? And it's a heck of a, how long is a piece of string question, right? But it's the number one question anyone's yeah. going to have in yeah. the end. So let's take a typical person for the most money. Let's say they're doing about a million dollars a year uh, in revenue. Let's say nearly all of that was on Amazon. They got a few percent on their direct-to-consumer site. They're launching a new product. Let's say it's 50 bucks and they've got a bit of a 40% margin in it. So they got maybe 20% margin to play with. What's your advice to this person? If they're curious about Facebook ads, maybe it will work as part of the mix here. What's the next step and what's the budget? They need to set some budget aside and you cannot really make predictions because I've seen campaigns uh, taking off like after spending 200 bucks, 300 bucks. And I've had campaigns where I spent like over 3000 bucks and I didn't make them work. It's hard to tell. You need, you definitely need to try it. But the bigger problem I see here, like if they're making a million dollars a year, like you said, it means they have lots, lots of customers. And Facebook gives you this opportunity to upload the past list of your customers to, to create lookalike audiences, basically to give you a way of finding more people like your current customers. But the problem is Amazon does not let you access that database. So they do not give you the, the email addresses of, of your buyers, which would be insanely helpful. Like for a brand, like you said, if they had 10,000 customers or whatever, and they uploaded that list to Facebook, then they could do a lot of damage. <laughs> so to speak yeah the best way to approach this i would say it would be to, to package people like when delivering to package people some sort of uh, qr code or something to invite them to your website to leave their email for some coupon for just subscribing to your newsletter and then you have their email addresses and once you do that this can be built over time but it can be extremely helpful so when you have when you have an email list, you can use that list to, to email them or you can use it to upload to Facebook and run ads to that list or to people that are like that list. So to a lookalike audience. So how effective is a lookalike audience compared to a sort of interest-based targeting audience then? Both are very effective. The lookalike audience has the advantage that it uses your data, so it's going to bring you people like yours. But it has the big disadvantage that, uh, say, you add a new lines of uh, a new line of, of product to your store, and you only have data for uh, the other products uh, on your business. So in this case, you'll be needing cold audiences to target, and lookalike audiences don't help you at all. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I guess it depends how much crossover there is. If you're selling yep. golf clubs, clothes one one week, and then the next week you're selling sort of random household widgets, then there's going to be yep. no use to you. I get it. But exactly. if you are, for example, selling, I don't know, household cleaning fluids, and then the next week you start uh, trying to retarget the same people to sell mops, I imagine there'll be a big crossover in audience, which yep. sort of common sense yep. tells yep. you. Okay, this is almost a chicken and egg moment we've come to then, because you said, okay, mm -hmm. if you have an email list, then you upload it to Facebook and you can do lookalike audience, and that can be powerful in the right context. But 
obviously if you don't then the best thing you can do is drive a qr code to get an email list but i'm like yeah but if that's just another way of running my audience off amazon so is it an effective thing to do the the ezra firestone thing as i understand i don't want to misquote the poor guy because he's very cleverer than i am am i understanding he's got what he calls the three pillars of, of traffic one is the cold audiences that you then drive to wherever you can pixel them mm-hmm. say your website then you have your retargeting audience and that's actually the one that then leads you to the sort of list of a customer buyer list that you have mm-hmm. is that a practical way of doing things or is that just too expensive and too risky for most small and medium business operators say they're doing one two three five million dollars a year mark this is industry standard, like running cold ads to some audiences and then retargeting them big, because most people don't just convert on the first touch. You need a couple of touches, like well, five, seven, 12. It depends on the industry. So yeah, definitely put some money on, on retargeting as well and on building, on building the audience. Interesting. I guess my instinct is somebody who's more familiar with and comfortable with email marketing than Facebook ad marketing would, would argue that getting a cold audience and then capturing their email address and then retargeting through the old-fashioned way of of sending them emails would be very effective would you combine email follow-up sequences with retargeting and if so how does that sort of pan out definitely yeah i think people uh, in the e-com industry should be investing quite a bit of time in building a list and using email and also using using a cold targeting to uh, to acquire new customers, but once they got a customer, they can increase the, the lifetime value of that customer with repeat purchases. And you can do that with an email list. So if you're using Shopify, you can, for example, get Clavio. And with Clavio, you can have those flows uh, and you can email people like you can have uh, reactivation uh, flows or winback flows, I think they call it. Uh, you can have promos sent uh, a month uh, after they, they purchase something or a week after they uh, they purchase something. You can have uh, one-off emails on holidays, on Black Friday. And so email list and building an email list is hugely important for, for e-com brands, especially in the long run. Like you can have, let's say you can have uh, a return on it. You, you said earlier about uh, a $50 product, $20 margin. So yeah. let's say you're spending $20 to acquire that customer. Basically, you are breaking even because you have some cost of goods. So if, you're, uh, if you then capture uh, their email and sell again, like a month from now, then maybe you double your revenue with, with that customer. And then you make a profit. So now... Apart from apart from from running ads, from just running ads where you just break even and not, don't make any money, now with using email marketing, you're you're making profit. Yeah, so that's interesting. That I that reminds me of the information marketing space that I first got training in and first really got learned about back in two thousand and seven onwards, which is the same idea of what they call a self liquidating offer. So in other words, you had ad costs, so the cost of acquiring a customer was zeroed out on the first sale. And then after that, whatever you did was was actually what they call the back end. In other words, that's where your profit was. And yeah. I suppose what you're saying is the Facebook ads are in that scenario, not a profit driver. They're a list building device, yeah. effectively for free, break even. And then the email marketing is actually the profit driver. Is that accurate? Yeah. In this okay. combination, yeah. yeah. You, you can be profitable uh, with Facebook ads, but definitely using email marketing will increase the profit. Interesting, yeah. And I have to say that I have seen slightly secondhand, but some quite insider knowledge of some campaigns with some very big budgets. I think they got up to spending about $50,000, uh, 50, 
dollars a day on Facebook ads and yep. making a profit. You know, within quite a short time, it was actually that the time to profit was measured in days, not weeks or months, which always amazed me. And they were obviously incredibly dialed in on their email marketing. But nevertheless, the side effect of that seemed to be that they grew their Amazon sales from one million a month to two million a month, which was was a obviously huge side effect. But they were focused on their Shopify. Is that a one-off, or have you seen that kind of pattern yourself? No, it's, it's, I would say this also is inter- industry standard and, and it's not uh, only used on, on e-commerce. I've seen this uh, used a lot, especially in the information industry, like people having a, a main product, like $1,000 uh, course or something like that and selling a self-liquidating offer for like a hundred bucks and making no money with that, but then uh, cross-selling with other products and building that email list and in the, ro- in the long run, making a lot of money. So yeah, I, I would say it's a good strategy, but uh, it needs that budget because if you're not making a profit immediately and you don't have the budget, then you're you're going uh, bankrupt. Okay, so between zero and fifty thousand a day, which is a kind of frightening number and ridiculous for most of us, but that that was the fact of the matter. I'm not making it up. I, and we'll I remember the mastermind yeah. business where that was discussed. We all sat there with our jaws on the floor, going, "That's just hard. I can't get my head around that stuff." Six hundred thousand dollars a month ad spend, in never mind revenue. But coming back to somebody who's doing, say million dollars a year. It's quite a typical number for the masterminds I run because it's basically aimed at seven or eight figure sellers and a few percent DTC. The rest is Amazon. In that situation, how do they begin to figure out what their budget should be? Get that We've got to come to some kind of number. How do we figure that out? So it's really a complicated answer because you need to, they need to know their numbers because if, if they're making seven, eight figures, then they, they know where, where their, their profit, profitability is. So Starting from there, you need to figure out how much you want to spend, how much you want to lose without getting customers. And if you're, if you're getting customers, then you continue doing that. But uh, if you're not getting customers, then there's a problem. But if they're making seven, eight figures a year, I assume they will, they will make uh, big money on Facebook if they, they haven't done so. It feels like a big leap though, doesn't it? If you're used to Amazon and you know how the economics of that system works, I guess you, you spend money now and because of the purchasing intent and you know, the trust that Amazon has and all the rest of it, you can normally get paid within a few days of, of spending money on an Amazon rad. Yeah, but if you go to to Facebook and also run Shopify and, and sell there, making seven, eight figures a year means that offer is already a good offer and there's right. lots of people buying it. So it's a proven offer. Okay. So in other words, you've got a proven offer and product and, and the price packaging, image mix, whatever is working. Therefore, what you're doing is exposing it to a, a yep. bigger audience. Yep. The thesis. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. You have a proven offer on Amazon. You have a, pro- a proven network, which is Facebook. You just have to put them together. You make it sound seductively simple. I like, I like the way of putting it. So obviously this is complex stuff and, and getting the right audience, as we've talked about, is a critical part of it. In the, the previous episode, by the way, if you haven't listened to it, folks, or, or watched it, do have a listen if you're interested in the the structure, what you call the CAT process. So the choosing the audience, getting the creatives and the, getting the testing. I've got that the wrong way around, haven't I? But anyway, creatives, audience and testing. So that's a really good framework. I like that. Nice and simple. Yeah, that's the one. Creatives and copy, audience and, and testing. So the audience is a critical part of that. Probably the most difficult part for somebody who's used to Amazon selling. We're used to creating copy images. We, we, we know about that kind of marketing. 
And we're not strangers to looking at, at numbers and crunching numbers, but the audience is a new part because Amazon kind of deals with that for us. So if we're starting with that, what, what does audience do and, and why should we use another tool outside of the Facebook ads manager, do you think? Yeah, so Facebook has this thing that where they attribute you say, some keywords or in, they call it interests based on your activity because they track whatever you're doing uh, on their platform, whatever you're doing on the internet where they have access uh, via their pixels. And basically, if you engage in a topic like, let's say, running or dogs or something like they attribute you that, that interest. So... When targeting, when having a, an e-com brand and wanting to target cold audiences, you have to find those those keywords, those interests, and target them with your ads. And what this what this means is you need to know the slang in your industry. And this is a big thing because if you're an agency or a freelancer and you have new customers, new clients coming in, and you have to deal with their targeting, you maybe you don't know that industry. Maybe you need to to go research. And once you do that, well, you'll see you're going to lose a lot of time because uh, you don't know what you don't know. And you have to have this discovering process where you figure out who the personalities are in that industry, what the slang is, what the keywords are, what triggers what. And then you need to figure out if that is that is a keyword that you can target on Facebook. Yeah, this uh, this targeting uh, problem is, is a big waste of time many times. I can see that. So it will be less of a waste of time for somebody operating an e-commerce business in an established niche. But I guess if they're moving into a slightly new niche or a new yep. product line, even within a broad niche, they think they understand. Yeah. Presumably yep. you'd still find a tool like that helpful, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Great. And so why, what is, there are a few, I, I guess there's a whole suite of products out there for Facebook users, just like for Amazon. There's new software born every day. What, what does the audience do that's uh, particularly different from the other stuff out there? Yeah, so what I did with the with audience is I made it so that it groups those interests of people into niches. So whenever you you type something in audience, you first tell audience what niche you're in, and then what. When you when audience knows your niche, it knows what to recommend and uh, and what to 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 give it to target. So basically, this is a community driven intelligence where people contribute to to this database. And at this point, audience crunches over three hundred thousand uh, data points, which is uh, interests, search terms, and all of that. And basically, whenever something someone finds some something and considers it uh, useful, uh, audience learns from that. So whenever you need to find targeting for a new niche, you just go to audience and tell it your niche, your industry, and it's going to give you a lot of a lot of options to target. And from there, what you want to do is to look at uh, less common words, industry slang, so to speak. So, for example, if you're uh, if you're into running, like we we talked about in in the other episode, you want to find stuff that's related maybe to marathons, to to I don't know supplements, to some runners, famous runners that aren't that famous, so everybody knows them. Basically, you, you want to step away from those keywords that would target irrelevant people. Like yeah, yeah. just targeting running isn't that relevant. But uh, targeting marathons, maybe uh, with that, you have a higher chance of uh, finding your audience. It makes sense. And I guess that they say the riches are in the niches, as they say in the States, but also... I guess more specifically, when you're targeting people, as you said, they don't necessarily have higher buyer intent. They need to be very specific on the type of person and their their relationship to the sort of products you sell. So if you're selling running shoes that are great for people who run marathons, then there's not much point in selling it to people who are 
want to walk to the shops and back and look cool and fly to yeah. their friends. So they're yeah. going to spend a different amount of money or for different reasons. I know people spend yeah. crazy money on fashionable Nike shoes because they're into wrappers, which for me is like poison. Whereas I love running, actually running. So uh, for me, I'd have completely different motivators and, and I would have different heroes. And as you say, different athletes that I would follow and other people wouldn't. And that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. I guess that the difference between that, and I think it's a mentality difference, just final sort of question is, for an Amazon seller, often it comes down to finding about five different keywords that are fairly lo- sort of short tail keywords that you're really after, long distance running shoe or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not a great example because Nike dominates that space, but whatever it is. Okay. Whereas on Amazon, I'm get on Facebook, sorry, I'm guessing you have to be a lot more specific because otherwise you've got the danger of a very general audience and a poor response. Is, is that about right? Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, you need to test those, uh, those keywords and see uh, whatever uh, success they bring. But uh, yeah, in theory, yeah, this is, uh, this is what you want to do. Okay. So the, obviously <laughs> a lot goes into this. If people want to check out audience, uh, I know we've got a, a link here, amazingfba.com forward slash audience. So that's audience with an R at the end, R for Romeo. And then I've persuaded you to do a little video masterclass on the topic of driving traffic to Facebook traffic to Amazon, which is obviously a problem many of the listeners have yep. at amazingfba.com forward slash FB ads as F for Freddie, B for Bertie, ADS for sugar. It's not live yet if you're watching live on the video, but if you're listening to the podcast, it, it will be available. So that will be, I think, a, a great way of deepening people's understanding about this stuff because it's certainly not something to plunge into without some expert training and guidance. Interesting stuff. Um, it feels like something that requires some boldness and courage because the money could be considerable that you spend, couldn't it? But on the other hand, as you said, I, I really like what you said. You've got a proven offer. You've got a proven audience in Facebook. All you got to do is put the two together. I like it. That's yeah. a kind of pitch for the entire business of Facebook ads for e-commerce business owners. Peter, interesting stuff. Is there any question that I should have asked you about Facebook ads for e-commerce direct-to-consumer store owners? Not that I can think of right now, but for any questions, I'm available at my support at audiencer.io email. Great. That sounds very good. And audiencer.io, folks, is where you want to check out uh, Peter's website as yep. well. Thank you so much for you know answering some. I feel like there's a UK program called Hard Talk where basically they get politicians on, they grill them really tough questions. And I feel like I've almost done that to you. I'm not trying to be <laughs> tough, but because it's, it's a little bit of a, of a difficult thing to get your head around. And I think you've really helped us answer some difficult questions there and, yep. and maybe move somebody closer to getting on that Facebook ads platform where as you and I've both seen you more often than me when it works it, it can really blow a business up yep. so exciting yep. opportunity last thing to say is simply to say Patreon Jakob from audience.io many thanks for coming on the show with us today thanks for inviting thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers I really hope you found the show helpful to you please don't forget to subscribe to the show And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.